0: off the ball
1: get all the best bits at newstalk.com slash off the ball
0: newstalk 106 to 108 all right sunday night around about 11 45 p.m it is the patriots against the falcons in the super bowl in houston and we're headed now to houston to join chris wessling of the around the nfl podcast chris great to have you in the show thanks for having me how how is the whole jamboree it seems like it's a bit of madness in the in the build-up
1: uh, it doesn't get too mad until Friday usually, so it, it's a little subdued so far in the week, but uh, you can tell every day there's getting to be more and more people here.
0: One of the things that um, has always struck me is just the intensity of the build-up for both sides and, and how easy it must be for one team to get an advantage if this is your sixth or seventh time. And I, I wonder how the Falcons are dealing with that sense of that just looking at uh, some of the videos of the media day and that whole notion that everybody they meet on the streets, everybody they meet at breakfast, all their families looking for tickets, that can be a, a bit of a distraction for players.
1: Yeah, this this seems to be a very even keeled group though and uh they take their uh message from from Dan Quinn who is, is pretty laid back. Um and the players absolutely adore him and he, he seems to have them right on cue for the for uh for a laid back approach and they don't seem to be overwhelmed at all.
0: Okay, that's interesting, because like, in retrospect, it feels like maybe Carolina didn't deal with all of that stuff in the build-up to the game as, as well as they could have done last year, and the game was pretty much over by the time they got into it.
1: Yeah, I think all that stuff stops once the, once the opening whistle starts, and, and now you're just playing football. I, I, I tend to believe that stuff is more for people to talk about than is actually important on the field.
0: OK, so no advantage to the Patriots, really, just by virtue of the experience of going through the, the pre-build-up. They might have other advantages, but it's it's not actually about the build-up and the constant questions and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I think the experience helps you actually on the field, but I don't think too much of what happens from Monday through Saturday, really, is, is, is quite that important.
0: The, the turnaround that um, the Falcons have had from last year to this year is is remarkable, and it's also, I guess, remarkable in that the players have completely bought into what Dan Quinn is, is trying to do. They, they talk about the brotherhood, and a lot of other sports organizations, a lot of other companies try and engender that sense of shared mission, but it can frequently just be corporate bullshit, whereas with these guys, it seems like you can actually believe them when they're saying it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, between Mark Sessler and I, my fellow cohort from the Around the NFL podcast, We've covered Dan Quinn in three of the last four Super Bowls now. Twice he was there with the Seahawks' defensive coordinator, and he is by far the one figure at the Super Bowl we have been most impressed with. There is an extraordinary genuineness about him uh, that his players just fall for, and they all call him the most unique coach they've ever had. He has a, a fresh perspective. He's got a mixture of being willing to get down and dirty with the players, go through drills with them, and also kind of uh, a willingness to keep things fun and exciting and, and loose in team meetings every day with a different message every single day. So this team really has bought in completely to Dan
0: There was an assumption, I guess, when, when he was hired that he was going to bring... Um, I don't know, maybe his approach would result in this being a very Seattle-esque type team, that the defense would be the thing which defines them. But after the season that we've just had, it's clearly the offense is really the thing that defines them. But maybe we're getting to a point where the the defense is a bit more, it's much better than people think, and it's it's actually a more balanced team than they're getting credit for in the build-up to this game.
1: Yeah, and I think some of that is Thomas Dimitrov, too, their general manager, who's always wanted speedy, urgent athletes, Um, and you see that with their linebacker core, especially where you've got two rookies starting uh, in addition to the NFL sack leader and Vic Beasley. So I do think they've remade their defense. They are faster. They're harder hitting. They have more range. uh, And I think they can build around that. Their last three draft classes have really been uh, job savers for Dimitro.
0: So, is there a point in the middle of the season, or is it early on in the season when the defense the defense starts to get really good? Because again, there was kind of a sense that maybe this is definitely a team which is relying on its on its offense and, and that's leading people I think to maybe lean in the Patriots direction. But it seems just from reading some of the stuff you've been writing this week that you're you're kinda of leaning towards Atlanta.
1: No, I'm leaning towards the Patriots and I do not believe the Falcons defense is good enough. Ah. I, I know that everyone I think that they're statistically improved. Uh, I think there is some noise in those statistics that they've jumped out to early leads and uh, sort of cruised on, on inferior opponents. And I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against, in, against the Patriots, who have a much better defense than the Falcons.
0: Yeah, it's one of the things that I was hearing about um, Brady's record against Seattle is, is pretty phenomenal. And so people are assuming, by extension, his record against Atlanta should be pretty good as well.
1: Well, yeah, I don't think there's really any... I, I don't see the similarity there. This this Falcons' defense is a subpar defense. They have been all year. Uh, in fact, they are the third-worst red zone defense since the start of 2000. So this defense has... I think the offense has hidden quite a bit of, of the weaknesses inherent in this defense.
0: Okay, so if, if the offense are off a beat at all, this game could be over quite quickly.
1: Uh, yeah, but I... I That's a major if because we're talking about a historically great offense, and I don't expect them to be uh, offbeat for a full sixty minutes of the game.
0: Okay, so it sounds like this is going to be you're you're predicting a pretty high scoring game.
1: I am, yeah. You have the two best offenses in the NFL in this game, and um, I I don't think the Patriots' defense has really been tested by by a play caller quarterback uh, combination. And and then you throw in the complementary weapons; they really haven't been tested by an offense like this
0: if um, if if you're a college analyst and you're trying to take apart this Patriots defense who are pretty good defense over the course of the season what are you looking at specifically what where are their weaknesses
1: they don't have a great pass rush i think that's their biggest weakness they don't really have an edge rush um they traded Chandler Jones who was their edge rusher and Chris Long ha- has been pretty good as a starter but Certainly not a guy you, you would qualify as a, uh, you know, a roaring speed off the edge. So I think that's the biggest weakness in the Patriots' defense. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan can attack just about any defense in a number of ways because they have so many offensive weapons.
0: Does the absence of a pass rush mean that we're going to see um, a lot of time for Matt Ryan then to pick out receivers? Is that the effect of that? Like how will we actually notice that manifest itself over, say, the first 15-20 minutes?
1: Yeah, it should be. We'll, we'll see. Maybe Matt Ryan for a ninth consecutive game has an opening drive touchdown, or he's got plenty of plenty of time to sit back and scan the field. Now, who's to say that Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator, won't dial up some exotic blitzes or, you know, some timely play calls to get into that backfield? So we'll we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, the other thing is that you've been writing about is the the quality of the the backfield that Atlanta have and uh, two running backs who are complementary and playing out of their skins right now at the moment, as well as uh, uh, Taylor Gabriel, who's just been a phenomenal uh, extra weapon. And this isn't without mentioning Julio Jones. So there's a level of excitement about watching that attack go. And yet at the same time, there is just this fear that because they haven't been here before, I don't know, you, you don't seem to have any worries about them... Uh, blipping on the occasion, or, or getting overawed at all?
1: No, I, I, I really have no, I have no qualms about being confident in their offense. They've, we've seen this all year long since September. They have done this, you know, against quality competition, against bad competition. They've done it at home, on the road. Their offense is tested, and they've come through. They've proven their mettle against difficult schedules, and. and it comes down to talent, from the play caller to the quarterback to the wide receivers to the running back, and the only offensive line in the NFL that has started with the same five guys every week. They are just absolutely loaded and they're experienced.
0: What about this, um, this this Patriots team then? Earlier in the season, again, Gronkowski goes out, and people are wondering if, because he's such a, a game-changer and... and clearly is such an important part of what they were trying to do, and particularly when it looked like they'd brought in a second tight end to, to just be able to, do a, to run a completely different type of offense. In the middle of the season, they have to recalibrate, and they've been seamless in doing that. Where's the confidence that they're going to win come from?
1: Uh, I think mostly it comes from Belichick and Brady. Uh, other than that, even with Bronk out, they've been, they've been the best team in the NFL for three months. Uh, since Brady got back from suspension, it's, they're number one in point differential, they're number one in record, they're number one in defense, and it, unlike previous years, you can plug a guy like Martellus Bennett into into tight end, uh, a do everything three down tight end, and then the wide receivers, we know that Julian Edelman is one of the most underrated players, Chris Hogan has been good, Malcolm Mitchell's been good, and they have their best backfield uh, since Corey Dillon and Kevin Falk more than a decade ago, so I think There is plenty of talent, and uh, you can never sleep on Tom Brady, who amazingly is adding to his game as he approaches 40 years old.
0: Yeah, he's adding to his game, like physically there's been no sign of deterioration, but it also seems to be that it's just the, he's able to call in the full range of his experiences, which, you know, most of us forget stuff as we get older, we kind of uh, don't always remember exactly what it is that uh, we've acquired as as pieces of information, and yet he seems to be able to look at stuff and instantaneously diagnose it.
1: Yeah, I think he's been doing that forever, and part of it is his training regimen, which is Probably like any other we've ever seen from a quarterback in NFL history. He's fanatical. He's a perfectionist. And I think when he's protected by that offensive line, he can sit back and pick a defense apart. He's just a smart quarterback who's been there, seen it all, and, and you're not going to really throw too much at him that he hasn't seen before in big games.
0: It is literally one of the best storylines in the history of sport that potentially Roger Goodell ends up handing over the trophy to Kraft and Belichick and Brady and the MVP award to Brady after everything that they've been through over the last 18 months. I, I, you know, I realize that it's all about the game, what happens when the football gets kicked, but how much does the motivation count or matter or like, what do you think is going on with, with that uh, whole storyline for them this week?
1: It's a tough question to answer because they, the Patriots are, they're already a self-motivated team, and Tom Brady, especially. I don't think Brady needs that motivation, but deep down, I think it does drive him, and he does have something to prove, and he probably does want to stick it to Roger Goodell. I think that's the way uh, high-caliber athletes are wired—that you have to get to take your motivation wherever you can find it, and. We haven't heard much about it this week from the players and the coach, but I have a feeling that if they win, you're going to hear a lot about it Sunday night.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wonder, I wonder, do they mention it at all? Or, <clears throat> or actually, by not mentioning it even after a victory, does that actually make it? If everybody's waiting for it to come out, and they know it's there, and it never gets uh, spoken about. Um, we've had a big response uh Chris to getting you on Barry Cullen on Twitter says great work getting Chris Wessling on an actual hero hashtag mailman Ronan Murphy on Twitter says I'm looking forward to hearing Chris on Off the Ball tonight Not around the NFL fans are in for a treat I don't know if there's too many not around the NFL fans uh, it, it, uh, around the NFL is pretty big in Ireland so I think we're like your fifth highest country for listenership
1: oh yeah We've, we have that's been probably the biggest surprise since I've been at this job is is how popular the podcast is overseas uh, I didn't recognize Uh, four or five years ago that the overseas listenership was, uh, I guess, that intense or even that uh, numerically high. So that's been a pleasant surprise, and I think the overseas listeners are among our smartest uh, listeners. They're very eager to learn more about the game, and uh, because it's harder to get, I think they become a little bit more fanatical about getting uh, information
0: that... We also love being buttered up the way you've just done, so uh, (laughs) thanks for that. The last one here is um, Noel Cal on Twitter says, I'm delighted Chris Westing is on Off the Ball tonight. Make sure to ask him, is Mark as grumpy as he seems?
1: Uh, (laughs) That's a tough question. Mark is one of the most delightful human beings uh, you could ever want to be around when when he's in a good mood, but uh, uh, he's been a little more intense lately. So uh, He has a few grump episodes once in a while, but, but overall, just a delightful human being.
0: Oh man, it's great to have you in the show. Big fan of your work. Thanks a million for joining us.
1: All right, thank you.
0: Chris Wessling there. Check out the Around the NFL podcast. 53106, the text number, if you want to get in touch with us here tonight. You can tweet us at Off the Ball. A second goal for Cameroon in the uh, dying minutes of the semi final of the African Cup of Nations tonight has seen them through to the final where they'll take on Egypt. We're going to talk football with Emma Malone in the next hour off the ball.
1: Get all the best bits at newstalk.com slash off the ball.
0: Newstalk 106 to 108.